Have you ever found yourself after a game of D&D debating over a particular rule that came up and trying to figure out as a group how to break it? As a DM, do you get that feeling of dread when your player asks, if you look at it this way? Well, we decided to turn that into a podcast. A group of DMs come together every episode as we discuss how rules is written. We can figure out how to maximize what we can do with a rule and how we can use other rules to break the game. Each episode, we will be joined by a guest, including DMs from some of our favorite podcasts, and get a sneak peek behind the DM screen from some of our favorite shows as they share their own thoughts and experiences on a particular rule and how it has affected their games. Please feel free to jump in on our discussions by leaving us a comment on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or feel free to email me at dm at dndraw.com, or send us a tweet to at rules as written and let us know how the rule may have come up during one of your games or how you figured out a way to break the game that we didn't discuss so thanks for joining us this is tony hi this is bethany hey this is rachel today we're going to be covering the topic of the errata that has come up in the player's handbook monster manual and dungeon master's guide from wizards of the coast this year and that's the version two errata yep correct yes yes version version two two i know they released one last year too but yeah who cares about that one yeah no it doesn't matter they make so many mistakes (laughs) burn it to the ground I mean, I, unless it's in your book, in which case, don't burn your book. Don't, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Don't, do don't burn your book. Just don't do it. No, I actually had printouts um, that I stuffed in the back of my prince's book at one point. So I had a reference for some of those things. So that you could find out when uh, when the mistakes that were clearly in the book, like wizards actually said, hey, we made a mistake. Oh, yeah. So that's a, that's a pro tip. If you're running a Wizards of the Coast adventure book, there might be a rata for it. You should look for it online. Yes. <laughs> just be prepared for it. Yep. So I think we were just going to walk through the changes for each of the books and then kind of discuss what our take is on it. Also, I know they've been tweeting a lot from Wizards of the Coast account saying, you should buy our new sets. Why, they're available for the holidays with all of these changes made in them. So I've seen like this deluxe set that they just released that looks like really cool. It's like an uh, an older design, but it's all very bright. Like I think the Monster Man is like a bright red or Player's Got Handbook is a bright red. It's really pretty. Also, of course, it's like over $100, but... What I'm hearing is you're trying to, like, maybe give some sort of indication of what I should get you for Christmas. <laughs> I mean, it's We expensive. have one of each. We're good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just noticing. I'm like, yeah, I've, more. I've noticed the newest set. It's really pretty. We don't need it. <laughs> but it would be good if you were giving it to someone who doesn't already have the book. Yes. yes. For someone who doesn't actually have the books already, they're actually really nice. Otherwise, the cheap suggestion, print out the errata. You know, fold it up, put it in an envelope, give that as a Christmas gift. I already have the monster manual. Here's the errata. <laughs> it's the low budget new version. Yeah. Print out a, co- yeah. a, fa- a like a cover that looks like the cover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess first we'll cover the monster manual and I'll take the focus on that. So we're just going to jump right in. One thing that I actually have already kind of done with the loss of the, a lot of monsters, which is the first one. The first change that I've noticed under the adult blue Dracolich, they give it an increase in its saving throws by one, an increase in its 
perception by two and it's stealth by one. Um, it's passive goes up to a 22 and it's attack bonus goes up to a 13 from a 12. And what it seems like they kind of messed up on is, uh, proficiency. Like they gave the monster a lower proficiency than it really should have had. And I've noticed that with several different monsters in the monster manual. Like they mentioned, for example, oh, this is a level five wizard, but they only have a plus two to proficiency bonus when a level five wizard would have a plus three by that point. Yeah, that's something that I know you and I've talked about is maybe this ties also to some of our struggles with challenge ratings is that perhaps there are just inconsistencies in the builds and that's affecting the challenge rating because the monster is weaker than it should be. Yeah. That tends to be what I've noticed is like it does seem weaker, which is why like a level or CR five monster is more easily defeated by a level three party than it really should be. I mean, are these are all all the adult blue? Wait, is the so, adult brass dragon that wasn't new this time? That was new. That wasn't time, new wasn't this time, and they just okay. changed its average damage on that one and i know they changed in a previous one how much experience you get for all of the ancient dragons they increased that in a previous uh yeah so it does seem like across the board the changes for the monsters are primarily increases and then some slight clarifications to wording yeah that tends to be a lot of what the errata seems to be is just a clarification on the way something's worded like it might have been a little bit vague or an increase in like an attack modifier because it didn't make sense that their attack modifier would be the same as their straight strength, because they should have proficiency. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned that just because, like, the black bear and the brown bear both went up by a plus one, because their strength would have then given them a plus one proficiency bonus, which nothing, as far as I'm aware, in the game has a plus one proficiency bonus. So, so Rachel, that should mean your your bear in the princess game should be a little bit stronger, just a tiny bit. Totally. Still hairless and terrifying, though. Well, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> she's still seen things, but she's stronger now. <laughs> Scarlet can still come in and save the day. But that does mean that if I shift into a brown bear or a black bear as Elaine, mm-hmm. I'll be a stronger a little bit hey every little bit helps especially when you're not rolling well like honestly like getting that plus i know it's a it's a plus one difference in the attack but how many times has it happened where one you were one off from the ac (laughs) it's the worst where you're like where you know like i know i was this close like i I know they have a 16 and i rolled a 15 yep dang it (laughs) so uh something i was looking at and i think this happens in several places that I guess I would summarize the changes to the errata as primarily corrections to there were errors based on like leaving out proficiency bonus like you were talking about, Tony, Mm -hmm. or other things where just there was a problem with the math or inconsistency in the build. And then there's things that are just typos. Like, I think the (laughs) saddest one is the hook horror because his dark vision was um, 10 feet. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Instead of 120. I'm pretty sure that was just a straight up typo. Somebody left out the two. Poor yeah, the, the hook horror who lives underground <laughs> yeah. only has a 10-foot dark vision. That's why yeah. they have to communicate by clacking their mandibles or whatever. Or their, their hooks, their little hook hands. They, they tap yeah. their hooks on the, the stone. Oh. Yeah, because they couldn't see anything. Now they can sort of see at least 120 feet. I mean, they could always see. They just couldn't really speak. Yeah. That's why the little tapping, but... Yeah, I think one of the biggest changes we noticed was the purple worm, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It went from a, oh, a 9 going to a from, plus 14. So that was actually one, because I remember I threw a purple worm at uh, 
you guys in Out of the Abyss. And I looked at the plus nine, I'm like, yeah, plus nine is good, but that's not as strong as I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and it's just, it didn't hit you as often as I kind of wanted, especially since it could just swallow you, which would have yep. been a whole fun thing for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I so specifically fun. say for me. So fun, Tony. <laughs> the best. So fun. Well, I'm looking at it again, and I'm like, yeah, it's basically it's saying it doesn't have a proficiency bonus. Because yeah. its strength is a plus nine. It's just, it's not good at things. It's just a worm. It's just a big, strong worm. It's just a big, strong worm. By the way, though, I was scrolling through them in the Afridi. Instead of three per day, changed to three day, three per day each. So they're, that's nice because mm. their innate spell casting is more powerful then. Yes, that means that each of the spells can at least be cast three times per day rather than just three of those spells per day. I think is just kind of a clarification issue because a lot of almost every monster had a three per day each or one. Per, like even I'm looking at the Afridi now, the one directly below it says once per day each as well. So I I think that's just a oops, we forgot, guys. Yeah. <laughs> forgot that one word, which changes how many spells you actually have. Mm. Turns it from deal. three spells to six. It doubles yeah. the amount. Yep. I'll be honest. I don't know how many times he's going to cast tongues three times per day. Oh, you'd be surprised. You, mm-hmm. Yeah. When you read a lot of conversation. <laughs> with with the NPC Ifridi. <laughs> you never know. It could happen. In large, in, in large reduce, it makes sense to me. But So, I actually, I know I've skimmed over it, Tony. But is there any cases where they've uh, made any of the monsters significantly weaker? Because I've... Didn't so that. there was an older case where they did under the assassin. Um, they lowered the assassin's saving throw by one, or they lowered most of the assassin's uh, abilities by one. Like they reduced uh, his proficiency bonus. Beyond that, I don't think there was really any decrease that I noticed in an older one. Like the gold dragon wormling was reduced by his con save was reduced by one. But overall, like it's all an increase or a clarification. Uh, the Gyno Sphinx actually went down by one. Oh, as the well, Gyno Sphinx like. did? Yeah, it looks like everything else, but that was an older one as well. Yeah, so it looks like all of the older ones got reduced a little bit, but the newer editions bumped them up, which honestly, considering like the way that CRs work, how many times have I thrown like in a what seemingly appropriate CR that you guys were like, nah, it's already dead? Well, and I think it's interesting. The errata seem to be based clearly on like textual problems like inconsistencies in the language and errors not based on game mechanic issues so Mm -hmm. i don't think there's there's no changes to the crs here even though we we're pretty confident there are crs that are not consistent (laughs) i was gonna say they're wrong but they're inconsistent based on actually playing the game they are not making changes based on that here at all it's really just about problems with the text Mm -hmm. yep which is interesting, and I guess that's technically what errata is, but it would well, There also- is, in the, I mean, we'll get to it, but in the Dungeon Master's Guide, there is uh, encounter difficulty. Changes. Evaluating that. Yeah, there's a, a update on that. Oh. Well, that'd be good. Yeah, because it seems like for the monsters, they're basically just like, we're just fixing things we messed up with what's in here. That is all. Yeah. Yep. It was one thing I was realizing, too, like the Demi-Lich uh, was 20d4, with the average being 80 hit points. Even though 
20 D4 maximum is 80 hit points. Yeah. So they just changed it to 32 D4. <laughs> They're like, sorry, math problem. <laughs> he does not math. Well, when I originally read it, I thought, yeah. oh, they must mean that he just always gets the maximum. Nope. No. Never no. mind. No, the Demi Lich is still just as low HP, even for a CR 18 monster. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I guess if you're a Demi Lich. Big, it's big bonus is as resistance to like all weapons. Yeah. yeah. So I and guess- immunity to non-magical. So I guess, Tony, um, based on these rule changes, like, are, do you think these are overall improvements? I think so, to a degree, mainly because um, they're upping the skills of most of the monsters in order to show the more appropriate proficiency that they should have, which that was always uh, one of my biggest annoyances with it was just it for a lot of the creatures, either they had a seemingly random proficiency bonus or no proficiency bonus. And if the monster stat block is supposed to be things that the monster is good at, they would have a proficiency bonus in all of these things. Mm-hmm. It's just consistent with how the game mechanics work. Yeah. <laughs> like being a bear and not having proficiency in your, <laughs> your own, own bite. <laughs> and plus. <laughs> like, how do these work? I don't know what to I do know. with them. Improvised weapons. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they become D4s. <laughs> to be fair, if I suddenly had to punch someone with my real world hands, they would I would not be proficient with them. But I am not a bear. <laughs> it's not your only means of attack. <laughs> no, no, but but I would not be proficient. But yeah, I, I agree. I think the proficiency thing is something that need to be fixed. Was there any were there any changes here that were surprising to you, Tony? For the purple worm, I hadn't realized like that big of a difference in its skill. Um, and you're like, ah, it's players more, love this. I wouldn't say it's surprising. It's more just some th- of the things that I hadn't really thought about because it's not a monster I looked a lot on. Like the hook horror, I'm like, oh yeah, it does only have a 10 foot dark vision. That 120 makes a lot more sense. The purple worm was just, it had a plus nine and didn't make sense, but I'm trying to think. No, I mean, if it is basically these changes make sense, they're things that should have been corrected. <laughs> Checks out. Yep. Looks good. <laughs> Oh, they also <laughs> had a couple of things like with the Thrycreen. Thrycreen. I saw. I got. Do you mean a quad cream, Tony? For this case, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's um, it's the clarification that it ends. It can repeat a saving throw at the end of each of its turns, um, mm-hmm. which is, seems to be a common thing. I think in some of the other uh, spells and stuff, which we'll get to soon, but. The fact that they need to clarify each of its turns, which we were already playing that way, yeah. because they say at the end of its turns. Mm-hmm. I think we'll we'll probably get more into that as we get into the player's handbook stuff. But there are a lot of these things that we're we realize we're already doing. The monsters, the main ones, where I'm like, okay, that's good because as a DM, those were things that I was having to fix. Sometimes mm-hmm. if I use those, I'm glad they are corrected. <laughs> I probably am just going to print out a copy of this, highlight the ones that are relevant to me, and reference it in my book with little page tabs <laughs> and not buy a new monster manual <laughs> oh the only other one that uh they did clarify more um, i was looking over it again was the werewolf um because originally they apparently it read as the werewolf makes two attacks one with its bite and one with its claw or spear which if it's in humanoid form it can't bite and oh, claw yeah. so they clarified it that it can attack twice with a spear or one bite, one claw. With the magic of parentheses, right? Like, yes. Like, this form, that. This form, that. Yeah. I yep. like, it's relevant use of punctuation. I appreciate it. They did well. <laughs> done good. Done good. Yeah. Um, beyond that, most of the, the things make sense. You know, a priest being, you know, more knowledgeable of religion. 
Yeah, yeah, buy that. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that does make yeah. sense. Reducing, oh, uh, I did read The Revenant again, and it does say that they can animate another corpse originally. Uh, they wanted to clarify, animate another humanoid corpse. <laughs> For some reason, they wanted to clarify that. You feel like there's a story there? I feel like someone has has a, a beautiful story related so to that. So someone was like, wait, what if... Bear with me. <laughs> purple worm, guys. Yeah. Purple yeah. worm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was make- another one I saw that said... Oh, it was the lich. The instead of living mm-hmm. creature is now a non-undead creature for the disrupt yes. life. They, they specified. Which so. I was looking at, like, that's a very weird choice of wording change but okay i get it yeah yeah that one seems arbitrary to me i don't know that that's any more clear to me as a player or a dm as to what i'm supposed to do with it i think i'd have to read the actual thing i think that's just a focus on the type yeah anything that has an undead type can't be affected by it but otherwise but otherwise is that all for the monster manual tony uh as far as i know that is all of the new changes to the monster manual and it all makes sense to me, and I like it better because we were kind of doing it already anyway. <laughs> yeah. So just to clarify for those listening, we didn't walk through every single change, and we're not going to because a lot of them are just basically the same change in multiple mm-hmm. sections. But we'll have the links in the description for the episode so people can go and grab the errata and reference them themselves if they so like. Mm-hmm. There's also stuff like uh, changing the term of one creature to one target. Yeah, I noticed that one, and... I think that's interesting because I don't think target is something they really have defined very effectively elsewhere nope. in the books. Creature is kind of defined as essentially any Creature. living or undead <laughs> thing. <laughs> does, it, um, does it seem to have some sort of a mind? It's a creature. Yeah. I think yeah. target is so that it can show that the uh, the enemy can attack an object as well. I think is the intention of it. I think so as well. That's what I would yeah, but it's it definitely not something they've done consistently throughout, so I'm nope. curious to see if that's something they're planning to do more going forward, is kind of use that as their language and use target. As far as I was aware, the choice between saying creature and saying target is very important in a spell, because if it says creature, you can't target objects. And I think that <laughs> sure might... Chris has never made that argument every single time he plays the spellcaster. <laughs> hey, sometimes when it's really cool, though. No, yeah. um... <laughs> And I, I get that, but still, if a intelligent, even a bestial creature like like the Grell, it not being able to attack a box that you put in its way doesn't make any sense. Oh, okay, hold on. So the Grell, is that the floating brain with a bird beak and like tentacles? Basically, yeah. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure I'm picturing the right creature in my head. <laughs> Chomping <laughs> a box. <laughs> chomp, chomp, chomp. Yeah, yes. I don't, I mean, that doesn't sound weird to me. Just... Not for D&D. <laughs> Nope, nope, checks out. But yeah, I think that's all. We could do Dungeon Master's Guide next. Okay, that's fine. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so uh, the thing, there's not actually a lot that's changed in the Dungeon Master's Guide, even from like version one to version two. They added in chapter three, which is probably the most interesting one, which is evaluating encounter difficulties. So it basically, they rewrote the second sentence uh, to say the threshold that equals the adjusted XP value determines the encounter's difficulty. If there is no match, use the closest threshold that is lower than the adjusted XP value. So they want you to go with something easier. Yeah, that's yep. interesting. Which I th- find interesting because a lot of stuff, whenever I try to balance it out and do an encounter with difficulty ratings and such, it's already stupid easy. Yes. Yeah, we have. I have had 
never had experience where I followed a challenge rating and went, man, that was way too hard. Nope. Yeah. When I've done it for experienced players. That's true. Yeah. I can I can throw things that are la- listed as like insane difficulty at you guys and you guys chew through it. Yeah. yeah. If new you have, players, yeah. it's a whole different thing. So maybe, <laughs> and I guess maybe they're erring on the side of assuming you could have new players. I think if you have a, it's also the party composition. If you have a party of like five experienced players with a, you know, a broad range of classes and skills and spells at their disposal, they have a lot of ability to just, yeah, like you said, just chomp through everything. <laughs> just, yes. Mm-hmm. Just murder home with their way through encounters. I suppose if you have a new party of maybe children or <laughs> what? I don't know why you would Say maybe, children. Maybe children. Such an interesting uh, choice. Who might have just built random characters and they don't know how to play. I could see that it would make sense to err on the side of easy. But I don't know if that should be the, the default. And, and that's always, I think, been the issue, though, with difficulties. Is mm-hmm. it doesn't at all take into account party composition and player experience. At all. It seems to take into account just the lowest common, the like the, the weakest party you can make. Yeah, I guess that's probably what they're basing it off of. Here's the, yeah. This is a zero party. It doesn't seem like it's an average thing. It seems like, oh, here is, you know, weak party, no magic items. Here you go. Because mm-hmm. that's another thing. Like, CR doesn't account for magic items. Well, and I guess nope. I don't want it to seem like we're, we're trashy people who have struggled with, uh, you know, encounters that are set at their CR level. Because there's other factors, too. Like, if you've just been through another fight and you're low on yep. spells at HP. Right. Like, that is definitely part of it. But for me, when I'm looking at a CR, I'm assuming it's telling me this is for a party of four people who have their health. They have their spells. They're prepared to go into this encounter. And yeah. I find it to be wildly off. <laughs> Yes, super, super (laughs) underpowered for that instance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even with new students who don't know how to play, I find that going with that that formula, because I've I've used that formula as well, Mm -hmm. and I may have eight players, Mm -hmm. and it's it's still relatively easy, even though they have no clue what they're doing, you know, (laughs) as players. They're like, I'm going to use my bow. And I'm like, okay, you're a fighter with a giant battle axe you're gonna use your bow okay you're gonna use your bow sure sure let's sure. do yep, it sure why not <laughs> oh, you're, you're like i'm gonna use my dagger you're like but you're a wizard i mean yep. you could yep. <laughs> if you like i i not I, that that's ever happened <laughs> i do caution them and i do give them a heads up but you know they do what they want to yeah. do and I, I guess part of it is i know they've tried to provide different ways of calculating crs and and doing finding the right difficulty for me i guess i feel the more i run games the more it's like an art than a science of sort of like having a feel for what your players abilities are and what they're looking for and what is going to make them feel heroic Mm -hmm. and challenge them and not just hand them the encounter because trying to go through the math of it based on what has been provided doesn't help me at all yeah i think the math all it does is give me a ballpark range of okay Creatures that fall into this spectrum might be good choices. Yeah, and maybe that's maybe that's all it should be for is to provide value and giving you like here's a start. Yeah. yeah. Which I guess it does do that, but Yeah. Outside of that, I'm like, I don't I don't I, <laughs> What do you want from me? <laughs> well, and, and I would say like this all of us have been DMing for a little while. When you're a new DM, I feel like if you take that as like gospel, like, okay, if I follow this I'm going to have successful encounters, I feel like you're going to be disappointed a lot because Mm -hmm. it's just not going to be, 
you really have to tailor it to your players and you just okay. yeah. have to figure that out as you go, sadly. Yeah, and unless you're doing like, you know, the six encounters a day type thing that I've heard people talk about. Mm-hmm. To do the six CRs, encounters a day? Yeah. Yeah, per day of travel. That sounds exhausting. Um, yeah. <sighs> Makes me tired. Have you seen have it. you seen some of the modules that have come out? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um but if you do that, then you know the the CR makes a little bit more sense because you're whittling down the party and it's all about their level, but they're not going to be too bad after one encounter, after two encounters, but three, four, five, six, they might be looking rough. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sure people have thought of a lot of better ways to do this that we're not talking about. We're trying to focus on the rules as they're written. But for me, I kind of almost give the party like a score in my head of like <laughs> how like how strong is the party. And I know like in the game I've been running for years, my prince's game that became something else. I gave you guys a lot of magic items and like you're really powerful. Like you're yeah, basically. Yeah, maybe a CR 19 at, uh, creature at level 14. Yes. Um, without any difficulty, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, none of us were in too terrible of a spot. Right. So yeah. I think some of that is I just kind of pretty much have to like assess the power level of the party for me and say, based on how powerful they are, what am I putting up against that power level? Because the CR, the challenge rating just isn't helping. Yeah. But then there's also, like we said before, taking into account magic items and stuff. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you like the opposite of that is true. Like we, I was in a game where we encountered were rats which yeah. only is cr2 and we were level three and there was four of us so we should have been able to like able to mow it over except we had no silvered weapons we had no magical items right yeah. so we couldn't do anything and all our spellcasters were completely out of spells Ugh. so it's like you realize you're going to kill us in this fight because we have absolutely nothing we can do to touch them well, and, and he's like but there's only two of them it, it doesn't matter we cannot physically harm them well, at all. And that's the DM's <laughs> mistake. Like, as yeah. we said, the child training isn't everything. Because, yeah, I would I would throw a party against something they're not 100% prepared for. But if there's no opportunity to succeed, what are you doing? Yeah. My- <laughs> what are you doing with your life? <laughs> yeah. So Which- out of character, our best plan that we came up with between sessions, because we encountered them at the end of a session, and we were going to, we assumed to kick off the f- next session with the fight with them uh-huh. our best plan that we came up with was capturing them in a net and yeah. whacking them with lit torches <laughs> that's so fire sad. damage for the win but i mean <laughs> you're like it's not elegant but it's effective <laughs> that's that's all we came up with <laughs> well and ultimately i feel like the goal for me when i'm creating an encounter is to for it to be fun I'm not always successful, but that's what I'm shooting for is that it's exciting, it's challenging enough, but at the end, the party overcomes or at least has the opportunity to overcome and feel like, yeah, we did it. It was kind of clutch there for a little bit. So-and-so was down, but we got them up. Like, that's a great encounter for me as a DM. Yep. Where there's lots of fist pumping at the end. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it's more metaphorical than literal fist pumping, but not always. Sometimes I'm pretty sure there's literal fist (laughs) pumping. Always literal fist pumps. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I guess CRs are just one of those things. Every time I come back, I'm just like, this is not for me. (laughs) They're they're tricky. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is interesting. Going back to the actual errata that you brought up, that that the, I guess the assumption is to err on the side of caution. Yeah, and shoot for lower versus higher, which I tend to go higher than lower, I guess, just because I found that everything is much easier. But again, you know, as we've mentioned, takes into a lot of things into account. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what would the advice be for for people who are reading this errata? 
If you're a new DM, probably follow it to get a ballpark of where to start. Yeah, I agree. I think would be the best advice. Yeah. Or if you're a new DM or if it's new players, right? Uh, well, not even new players because because new players, it, it's they're still going to have the strength and abilities and the hit hit points and everything. Like, you know, fundamentally, as long as they built their characters correctly. And, well, it, not even correctly, as long as they built them... As long as they didn't roll garbage stats. For well, everything. oh yeah, I guess that's true. Which I would say, just do point by. <laughs> yeah. Well. Be safe. <laughs> be safe. Be safe. I do standard spread starting with new players because standard it's the easiest. Yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> These are your numbers. Put them accordingly. Mm-hmm. Put them in the things you want to be good at. If they're high, put them in the things you don't care about. If they're low, oh, everybody exactly. has low intelligence. I am not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I am not surprised. Shocker. In the least. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> yeah, but um. That's ah, interesting. That is overall a pretty big change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what um, else jumped out at you? Uh, I mean, some of them are just like scroll use and spell use. Kind of small. Um, I was trying to find. I was bothered by the new terms for scroll and spell, to be honest with you. How so? Well, so yeah. scroll, it says requires using an action. Now it just says requires the user. Oh, I read that backwards. I thought it was the other way around. It used to say. It used to an say requires yeah. an action. It now says requires the user. Is user a a word that we have? User means something very specific to me at a. Like, I don't te- technical documentation standpoint related yeah. to work. I would never call a player character a user. <laughs> I don't like that term. Well, what's that in the context of? Do you have? Yeah. So this says whatever the nature of the magic contained in a scroll, unleashing that mac. Magic requires the user to read the scroll, is what it, the new reading would be. Versus before was whatever the nature of the magic contained in the scroll, unleashing that magic requires read requires using an action to use the, to read the scroll. I don't understand how this is an improvement. This seems less clear. <laughs> so if you're, if you're looking at it from a mechanics perspective, it becomes less clear because now it requires the user. Nope. Well, it's not an action. It's not a bonus action. It's just reading the scroll. I'm going to argue that- with this yeah. only because, only because instead mm-hmm. of using an action, a bear can use an action to read a scroll. Except they can't read. Exactly. Yeah. But they now it's use- saying it requires the user to read. So it's clearer, I think, because it's saying the person that's using it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, well, no, in my head it did, but in my head it didn't at the same <laughs> it time. It still has the issue like, to read. Wait. A bear can't read, therefore it cannot use its action. Anything that cannot actually activate well, a magic actually, item. If I'm if I'm if I'm changed as a bear, yeah. I would it have says, the ability to read. So I will say it says any creature that can understand a written language can read the arcane script and attempt yeah. to which activate it. Yeah, yeah. So I think which bear, if I'm I think Elaine is a bear. Yeah, could read a scroll, right? Elaine as a yep. bear could read a scroll. Well, yeah. I think my issue is really that it it did say requires an action. So now, if you are using a scroll in combat, it's not clear what you're using. Oh, I see. What are, well, does it not say it anywhere else? Please nope. hold. Yeah. So is it an action? It feels like it should be an action because casting most spells is an action. I feel like reading because a scroll to cast a spell is yes should be an action. So I feel like this is a Negative. Yeah, I guess they did. They took out what the use of it is. Right, I yeah. kind of get what they were going for, from but from a mechanics perspective, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, isn't the whole point of this to be from a mechanics perspective? Yes. <laughs> so maybe there's something we're missing. People can feel free to disagree with us and let us Please know. Please feel free to. 
Yeah. Yes. Please let us know on Twitter at rules. So of I would, yeah, I would agree that still uses an action. Oh yeah, but I would maybe too. it's because there's somewhere else that's actually saying when you use a scroll, it requires an action, like in the um, player's handbook it or things be, you can do. But it still seems could, like this is a loss for the person reading. Yeah, you can do. I think action is use an item, which a scroll would count as an item. True. So I, I think you can get there and still get to the point of understanding that yeah. it's an action. But I don't see why removing it here. I don't see a- removing it being super helpful. helpful. But yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, because of the use a- use an item action. Yep. So, point for Rachel. <laughs> yeah. I just don't like the wording. I think it's like de- I think it detracted from <laughs> yeah. the sentence. It's less clear. Because yes. obviously we yeah. now have spent like three minutes talking about what does it mean, which is not what we should be saying. Yeah, they should have. They should have just added requires the user to use, to an, use action an action. Yeah, to read the scroll, scroll yes. or whatever. Yeah, that, so basically they should have added it. Yeah, yeah, not changed it. And in yes. general with writing, I'm a fan of using more words if it makes something more clear. Yes, and I feel like that's not what they were going for with this. <laughs> <laughs> they're like cut some words it'll be great it'll be great and everybody's like no why what you yeah. do yeah so that one's interesting so um, we now have a, one we disagree with yes let it be heard in the, second the only second. the only thing about spells is i get it but it's was lowest possible spell level is now lowest possible spell and caster level yeah what what, what is that <laughs> in the context of because i have no idea the original is the spell is cast at the lowest possible spell level doesn't expend any of the user's spell slots, and requires no components unless the item's description says otherwise. It would now read, the spell is cast at the lowest possible spell and caster level, doesn't expend any user's slots, and requires no components unless the item's description says otherwise. But I don't know what the caster level... How is that relevant? Well, if you take that into account, and you have an item that can cast a fireball, well, mm-hmm. the lowest possible spell level of the fireball is a level three. But if the caster is a level four caster, technically they can't cast that spell. Gotcha. Is that what they're trying to say with this? Well, that's I, I can understand that's what they're trying to say, but that's not what they're saying. No. How is this helping make it more Doesn't, clear? This is why I didn't <laughs> like these two phrases, because they don't make the the what it seems like they're trying to do more clear. So what is it? what do you think is the intent here? Not 100% sure. What I am reading this, here's my thing. What I am reading this as is a caster who cannot cast Fireball cannot use this item or this spell on this item, which doesn't make sense to me because the whole point of magic item is to use an ability that you don't have. If you can attune to a magic item and the DM is allowing you to have this magic item, you should be able to cast that spell. Yeah. The magic is inherent to the item, not to you. Yes. It should be yeah. irrelevant, I think, as long as you're meeting the requirements to use the item. Because the only way that I can see the caster level being important in the use of a magic item is if they're lower. If they're higher, then lowest possible spell level and caster level makes sense. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of in- like other instances where that would be a thing. <laughs> yeah, I can only <laughs> well, think like, of okay, it. Okay, so like casting polymorph mm-hmm. on like myself. Yes. I can only cast it up to a certain point, or yeah. I can only cast it to turn into a beast up to a certain point. So right. if I'm using a spell of, or a, a scroll of polymorph, but I'm only level five, you know, my creature level is only level whatever. Right. Your creature level is determined by the your actual level. Exactly. Yeah. So I could see, like, that doesn't affect it. But fireball, they, you can't cast until you're a higher level. 
Right. You need to be level five to cast a fireball. It is a third level spell. The lowest possible spell and caster level means that only a level five caster can actually use the item to cast a fireball. The way that I'm reading this. I feel like this language was put in place to prevent some sort of exploit, but instead is, as it is written, making it impossible for a lot of people to use magic items <laughs> yeah. for spellcasting. So, at low levels, yes. At low levels, right. Which is when a lot of those magic items are most beneficial beneficial to PCs when yeah. when they really mm-hmm. need it. So, I think I would not use this one cuz yeah. I or I guess I would rewrite it to be something more clear if it's it feels like it's preventing some sort of edge case well, rather my than other my other issue is magic items that have spells that you can cast at higher levels either tell you you use more charges to do so. Or they say it is cast at this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't feel that was necessary in the slightest to add and caster level. I agree. Yeah, this does not make sense to me. Yeah, because there's no... I'm trying to think if there's any items where, like, let's say I have, you know, X item that allows me to cast, you know, fireball. But I'm a high enough caster that I can also cast fireball at a higher level, right? Right, is that right. thing can faster fireball can be cast higher level? Yes. Is there anything that we can think of that you can almost like supercharge the item with your own power to bump the level? I'm no. sure there are some, but if or if there, I'm sure there could be. But in that case, wouldn't it be better to correct the item rather the item. than rather yeah. than how this works? Part of the way that magic items tend to work is they have charges, and you spend more charges, and that's how you're supercharging the item. But that doesn't come from the caster. It comes from the item. It comes from the item. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, this whole caster level thing, I don't like it because what does the caster have anything to do with the item? Almost no item, except for like a scroll, requires a caster's knowledge of a spell level. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to throw this out here as a crazy idea. Okay, okay, pitch it. We're ready. What if they're prepping for something that's going to be coming out later that will be able to do that? That will be interesting. I would That's be intrigued okay, by that. Yeah. Well, they're, they're preparing for the thing that they know will break the rules as yeah. they are right now. That That's what I'm is wondering. an interesting theory. That would be a blocking wording right there for yes, these items to come. <laughs> if you are only a level 5 caster and the item can allow you to cast the spell at your lowest caster level, mm-hmm. then that would make sense. Rather than the lowest spell level necessarily. But then that gets rid of the whole thing on charges and... I still don't like it, but I would be intrigued to see if that's where that's why. Yeah, well, because I don't think coming. this this was the most elegant way to address whatever problem no. it is they're addressing. Yeah, it might be for it be better for items than I think so. General, yes. <laughs> so, what else do we take issue with in the DMG? That might be it, but <laughs> that might be it. I think yeah. The other things are just like magic um, well, item corrections, right? Yes, there's I think two magic items, Rachel. Rod of the Lordly Might. They just added. You choose the type of sword for a bow. Oh, I guess that's what, that way that's not like... Ooh. Ooh, yeah. I guess it's specific, and so I was like, oh, I want a longsword this time. And then the other thing was the instrument of the bards. The final paragraph used to say, when you use the instrument to cast a spell that causes targets to become charmed on a failed save, the targets have disadvantage on the saving throws. This effect applies whether you're using the instrument as the source of the spell or as a spell casting focus. They rewrote it basically to say you can play the instrument while casting a spell that causes any of its targets to become charmed on a failed saving throw, thereby imposing disadvantage on the save. 
This effect applies only if the spell has a somatic or a material component. So that's a pretty significant change to how you actually would use the item. Yeah. For spell casting. So you're not using the item as a focus, but whatever the spell is has to have a somatic or a material component. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you have to be playing it? It says you can play the instrument. Oh, you can. So play you it you can basically. It. it sounds like you can use it instead oh. of the somatic or material component. You can play it in order to impose disadvantage. Yep. That's yeah. That's a that's definitely a different way than what they've described. I don't know if this is an improvement. It Not necessarily. Improvement. It's, it's a change. It's a change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one is a distinct change to how it actually functions. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe I haven't spent enough time with Instrument and the Bards. I've only had the big game a couple times. Because they're they're only for Bards. (laughs) I don't play Bards. We don't play Bards. Overall, I guess that's... I don't have any strong reaction one way or the other to that one. I'm like, okay, I guess that can make sense. I'm very confused as to why it says this effect applies only if the spell has a somatic or a material component. Like, the somatic makes sense. Right. Somatic's the words, right? No, somatic is the, the uh, hand motions. Hand motions. Yeah, Therefore, yeah. playing is the somatic component. Which makes sense. But the material component does not make sense to me. The instrument. It is the material. So it. It's weird, but this is uh, that's all I can think of to answer those two questions. Like the somatic makes sense because you are using your hand or, you know, presumably your hand or whatever to play the mater- the instrument. But material component? Like, how does your instrument of the bard suddenly become bat wings or, you know, <laughs> a feather and a tart? <laughs> it, you, you don't need those things anymore. Your instrument is those things in its performance. I don't know. This seems a little silly, but to be well, fair. And the other question is, if it requires both a somatic and a material component, do you still have to supply the p- material component? Rereading. Because the original one said if you use this as an arcane focus. An arcane focus is signifying that you don't need the material component because this is an amplification through it. The way that the new wording is, it kind of implies that you do still need the material component. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, because it only... You're right. It doesn't say that it saves you either of those things. No. It doesn't say that you don't still need Yeah, it doesn't say it's material. acting as a spellcasting focus. So this might be another one that... Now, it's the more we read it, the less clear it is to us. <laughs> okay, moving on then. No. <laughs> we give up. <laughs> we give up. Okay. Like, no. it does, I guess my biggest complaint for, for the few that are there that we've had uh, an issue on is that it doesn't make the rule easier. No. Or clearer in any way. Yeah. And I feel like these should really be about clarity and gameplay. <laughs> Whereas, like, as much as we had a big debate on CR and encounter difficulty... At least they were trying to like show you, hey, this is how we think you should do it. Yeah, the word and was you know for that one. And Rod of Lordly Might is okay. We didn't say this before, but you get to choose the type of sword you summon. Yeah, this doesn't clarify or simplify. And okay, this does uh, not get our seal of approval because ours is the opinion that matters. Obviously, clearly, <laughs> um, we'll just read the erotic. Going, oh, I don't get. I don't get this one. I don't understand. I'll just never have bards in my game. That's how I'll solve the problem. I mean, just, just kidding. <laughs> that, so really, we, out of out of the DMG, the only errata that we stamp of approval of okayness on really is the encounter difficulty one. <laughs> We're like, and okay, rod of and lordly might, rod of lordly might, and then I guess the treasure hoard we didn't go over, but they literally just changed it from the challenge being from eleven to sixteen to 
10 to 12. Or sorry, it went from 11 to 12 is now 10 to 12. It just dropped it by one. They increased the range. Got it. Yeah. And so that's so small. It's Yeah, I have no strong reactions to that. I'm just like, yeah, I have no uh, I have no reactions okay. at all, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Sure, sure. Sounds Keeps good. Fine. Well, do we want to get into the real meat of it, which is the player's handbook? Player's handbook. Okay. So there are a ton of changes in the player's handbook, but a few of them are kind of rolled up under the exact same change in multiple places. One of those is clarifying that when you are talking about preparing and casting spells for a class, when it says your spells, it now clarifies like your paladin spells or your cleric spells. Because I think previously, if you were multi-classing, it would have sounded like any of your spells. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense to me. It means, mm-hmm. of course, that a lot of these new changes are really just the same thing over and over again. Uh, One of the funny things with that, though, is a lot of times there are classes that can borrow spells from a different class. Right. And they then become bard spells. Or, yes, that's yeah. true. Right. Because like uh, in the game we were playing yesterday, I was the protector cleric who had some paladin spells. Mm-hmm. But for the purposes of that that character, it was... They are cleric, cleric spells. spells. Also, that is an unarmed arcana class, just to clarify. That is yes. not actually. <laughs> but <laughs> not, but the idea but, is the same. Yes. For these corrections, a lot of them also are just other clarifications, like um, once per day, they've corrected kind of throughout to be once you finish a long rest, which I think is a good change. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because once per day means like, but when? It's some magic items, they say things like something happens at dawn. That makes mm-hmm. sense. But otherwise, once per day is sort of nebulous. Vague. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a fan of that change throughout, too. When you finish a long rest, because you're like, okay, when I finish a long rest, that's when this is going to happen. That's when I, I think, can use my drow magic again or my infernal legacy. Which also works out like. really well because they do specify you can only get the benefits of a long rest once per 24 hours. Right. Oh. Yeah, so that checks out for me. I'm a fan. There are a few places, I think, where they have corrections about uh, a weapon now being a melee weapon, and I think those are good. I believe we already talked about some of those specific instances. Yeah, like, there were sometimes we're like, a weapon, does that include a ranged weapon? A melee weapon? A melee spell attack? What is it? Now we know that it's actually a, a melee weapon. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these are just adding adjectives to clarify what they're talking about, and overall, yep. I'm on board with that. I did like the one uh, early on that talks about when you gain a level, you roll your hit die and add your con in order to add that to your hit point maximum. They clarified that you get a minimum of one. Yes, I <laughs> saw that too, and I thought that was good. <laughs> because if you have a negative con and you roll a one. Yes, be like, wow, guys, we leveled up. I didn't get any HP, or I lost some HP. I lost HP. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I now am weaker, actually, than I was before. <laughs> I think that's one of those things. I'm glad they clarified it. But to be fair, I feel like this is what people have been doing anyways, is doing a minimum of one for that sort of thing. I've heard so many people do different things. I've heard some people say, you roll your HP with advantage. We do the, you take the average one that they give. The average plus one. Mm-hmm. I prefer the that. average plus one, because that way, at least, you always getting a good amount of HP. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a fan of that, especially for long-term campaigns with a party, because it kind of keeps you even. Like, even if you have weaker party members who don't have as much COD, it means you're sort of leveling at the rate you should be, so you don't have these uh, a bad run of rolls mm-hmm. for somebody, so their HP is really low. Not that that happened to that sorcerer I played back in 3.5, where I rolled, a, I rolled a 1 on a D4, I think, two or three levels in a row. Nope. <laughs> where I was like, odds are, I'll get at least... <laughs> average yep (laughs) so since then i've been like let's just all have the same sort of you know hp 
But uh, that's a good point. Now you cannot have negative HP when you're leveling. Yes. <laughs> or zero. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say a quick check of two things that just jumped at me is like scanning over it is uh, that I would approve of both of them. Yeah. Is under Monk the Elemental Attunement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From nearby, which is vague, to within 30 feet. That's, yeah. that's a good improvement. Yeah. And yep. that feels like an improvement that's a correction of an oversight. Like, yeah. they just said nearby and we're like, we'll fix it later. And it's it a placeholder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It didn't get fixed because I don't think yep. that word is used. Is it supposed to be used anywhere? For it's mechanics. not supposed to be used because it yeah. doesn't help you. You're like it's like using the word "soon" to describe time. And then the other one, of course, is the under the paladin, paladin the improved divine smite. Uh, it says the last <laughs> sentence has been deleted. Makes sense because the last sentence is dumb and what is it, never Rachel? made. Would you like to read it, Rachel? <laughs> Share with us. <laughs> so it says under improved divine smite. If you also use your divine smite with an attack, you add this damage to the extra damage of your divine smite. I'm pretty sure we have talked about that at the table and gone, I literally have no idea what this means. <laughs> I think it wound up being, we're already doing this, right? Yes. Like, right. We're, it's right. already included. Right, so. yeah. Like, we've added the correct numbers together and we're done, but, like, what is this? So, yeah. <laughs> so I think we already were ignoring it. <laughs> We'd already mentally deleted that sentence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was looking, I was like, yep, yep, checks out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely in agreement with that as well. It did not add anything. It only detracted from the paladin. Yeah. I so, also did like the um, the fact that originally it was 5d8 was the maximum damage, though you could spend a fifth level spell slot for your Divine Smite, even though it starts at 2d8 for a level one spell. Yeah, that just seems like a math error. Yep. <laughs> oh, oops, it needs to go up to 68. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got it. They just miscounted. So one thing I know we've talked about a lot is rangers, because I (laughs) like rangers. I like playing a ranger, but they made several corrections to the ranger's companion here. There's a few other things, but that's really what stands out. And I think that's been a complaint a lot of people have had for 5th edition is not only that rangers aren't as strong as they could be, but that their companions are weak and not as effective. So they've added some things that you know, a ranger's companion, the beast can spend hit die during a short rest so they can actually heal up now so you don't have them constantly dying if you use them in combat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they added a new paragraph to clarify that if you were incapacitated or absent, the beast acts on its own, focusing on protecting you and itself, and it doesn't require your command to use its reaction, such as would make an opportunity attack. So if you're down, it's not like your, you know, your friendly bear companion is like, what, what do it, I do? What do I do? I guess I'll just stand here and die. Yeah, it goes into like an auto mode. Yeah, yep. which makes sense if it's a companion within the narrative that you trained with and who knows you, that they're going to defend you and, mm-hmm. you know, act on their own. No, so, no self-preservation in animals. Didn't you know that? No, no. Animals, they just love waiting to die, apparently. So yep. That's Especially a good Especially the fix. ones you've worked with and trained. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Poor rangers <laughs> and their <laughs> companions. I think that's a good correction. They've had a few deletions just because I think things didn't make sense. On your um, turn, you can verbally command your beast where to move. The second sense of the second paragraph. The phrase that begins, though it oh, doesn't it take... takes its turn. It takes its turn on your initiative, though it doesn't take an action unless you command it to... Unless you command it to. Yes, this is a very weird way of putting it, but they took out, though it doesn't take... So before it said, though it doesn't take an action unless you command it to, right? Oh, no. It's saying that entire phrase from though onward is gone. Right, right, right. has been deleted. So that's all gone because I think that was one of the major problems with actually effectively using a companion in combat. 
because you have to command it, I believe, as an action? Yeah, so the idea before was if you had your really, you know, your great brown bear companion as much as you loved them, it really wouldn't make sense to have a bear go and attack, you know, this orc you're fighting with its, you know, bear claws and teeth when you could be, you know, shooting it with your magical bow and doing significantly more damage. Yep. Yeah, it takes your action to command it, and if you can't command it, then technically it can't do anything according to the original rules. Right, yeah. so they've removed that so you could actually use it as an effective companion, because if you're a ranger with a companion, that's what you're trying to do. That's your what you're bringing to the table as a character. Yeah, because it originally was basically you or the companion acts. Right, choose yep. one. <laughs> yeah. Which now it seems like you can use your first action to command it to attack something. Yes. And then on subsequent turns, it can continue to attack the same thing or the enemies around it while you can still take other actions. Or if you're knocked unconscious, it can actually try to defend you and not just sit there. Well, and now they add an additional set saying if it doesn't have a command, it takes the dodge action. So it doesn't stand there helpless even in combat. It will just dodge and make sure it's not taking damage. So it then becomes an effective option for combat. as It becomes a living, breathing creature. Who doesn't want to get squished? Say what? (laughs) But I think overall, that's a good change. Um, Mm -hmm. There's another change under uh, exceptional training. This makes me want to actually play a ranger with an animal companion again, by the way. Because it could be actually useful and fun. Yep. Fun rather than a drag that stresses you out where your animal companion is going to be killed if you bring them into combat. Literally every turn you bring them in. So exceptional training, they've uh, added a sentence that clarify that the beast's attacks account as magical for the purpose of overcoming resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks and damage. So level 7, your animal companion is actually going to be effective fighting higher level monsters as opposed to now being utterly useless because they have bear paws. <laughs> they're just a bear. Now they have magical bear paws. Yep. <laughs> Woo! And yeah. they're efficient with, or proficient with them. And they're proficient yep. with them. So you can actually <laughs> use them as a companion who's by your side fighting in combat. So those are exciting changes. Sorry, I'm really, I'm excited about them because it means I would want to have an annual companion again as a ranger instead of going, well, it only makes sense for me to go a different route. Any of the other choices. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I think is a real positive, and I'm hoping will make some people want to play rangers again, or at least consider it and have a cool animal companion. It doesn't have to be a bear. We're just really focusing on bears tonight for some reason. I can't imagine why. <laughs> it's because the bears got a plus one to their attack roll. Yeah, we're so excited about bears. <laughs> super excited about bears, guys. Yeah. It's the little things, man. But I think that's the, uh, the class that has the biggest changes. Otherwise, they're really just small clarifications. So I think another thing that is a good correction was uh, for the feats, the Polar Master. This is what Tony and Mm. I had talked about because they've added a sentence to clarify that your attack gets the same ability score as the primary attack. So when you're attacking twice, you actually get to add the same ability modifier. Yeah, so the Polar Master specifically allows you to attack with the main part of the weapon and then basically with the blunt end as a, a second, like an offhand attack. Yeah. And I think the biggest change is they've changed it from saying a quarter staff to a quarter staff or a spear, which I feel like if you're gonna be a polar master, this is kind of crucial to getting the speed is being able to use it effectively. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the original wording it, the main difference was spear was not included in the items. Right. Which it really should be. Because yes, it is still a polar. It is, still, it is a thing for poking things. That's what that's what this means, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you stab. Yeah. So I think that one's good. 
But I guess I'm sorry. I didn't talk about the biggest change, probably in the whole thing, on advantage and disadvantage. They've made a major change to having the words re-roll be changed to re-roll or replace. Oh, no. oh that's three. right. Yeah. When you have advantage or disadvantage and something in the game, such as the halfling's lucky trait, lets you re-roll the d20, you can re-roll only one of the dice. You choose which one. And now is re-roll or replace. Let's you re-roll or replace the d20. You can re-roll or replace only one of the dice. So, Tony, I think where this really comes into play is those instances where you have dice that are you're not re-rolling, but you already have set aside, right? Yeah. That makes me think of the um, the divination ability. Right, which lets you have a die pre-rolled that you have on hand to use for something. Yeah, where you can just swap it. Right. How- That's interesting. Yeah, because the question is, what are you replacing it with? And there's yep. not that many abilities where you have dice yeah. set aside. That you could replace it. But they're but the one you were bringing up, Tony, is the divination one, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Where they're where they're set aside, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's a mechanic they use more for some other classes, like perhaps the psionics. Mis- yeah, the mystic down the road, who might have some dice set aside for similar things. Gotcha. I so, feel like that's where that's going. I think that's my current guess. So I think that's overall a big change that doesn't have a big effect now, but probably will. Yeah, that seems like a future effect. Just because there's not a lot that can replace a die roll. Yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out as we move forward. But something we have already had an episode about is grappling. And there's actually a, <laughs> some, a good clarification to grappling. Yeah, I was just looking at that. <laughs> so yes. they have added, you succeed automatically if the target is incapacitated. That makes things so much easier. <laughs> it makes sense from a mechanical perspective. If someone is incapacitated, they can't flail away from you as you try to stop them from leaving. Also, they're incapacitated. Their movement is zero already. No, they have disadvantage. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That one, I'm like, thank goodness. That makes things a lot clearer. I'm a fan of that one. Yes, same with shoving. Yeah, why did you talk to us about the shoving one? Oh, it's the same thing. It's You succeed (gasps) automatically if the target is incapacitated. Wow, that's crazy. Someone can't resist being shoved if they're incapacitated? What? Just win. kick them with your boot. Yeah, so those I think are good changes that just make things clearer. Uh, actually, Tony, could you open page 205 for the combining magical effects? Combining magical effects. The effect of different spells add together while the durations of those spells overlap. The effects of the same spell cast multiple times don't combine, however. Instead, the most potent effect, such as the highest bonus, from the, those castings applies while the durations overlap. It now says, or the most recent effect applies if the castings are equally potent or their durations overlap. No, equally potent and their durations and durations overlap. Are, sorry, and and the durations different. Are <laughs> no, well, well, but essentially, it's saying if they're of the same level, here's what you do, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Than, it's just rather you go the most recently cast one is the first, is the one that's applied. It, it, yeah, it overwrites it, which uh, I think makes sense to me. Yeah. So that's a good clarification. There's a few changes down in the spells that are primarily primarily about ranges. So they now have changed some things, like Call Lightning is no longer 100 feet, it's now within range. There's a couple other things that clarify from one creature to one creature you can see, or two creatures to creature you can see, which makes sense for some of these spells that if you're gonna, like, splash ash, splash acid on someone for ash, you, you should be able, be able to, to see them. See them. Uh, and I think there's a couple other changes like that that are just to, to clarify. I uh, like the contagion difference. So... Share with us what has changed. You don't have to read the whole thing, but... They added, on a hit, the target is poisoned by Contagion. So part of the problem with Contagion is that, essentially, it it was really confusing for some people as to whether or not the diseases that Contagion lists take effect right away, and then they make three spells 
or three saving throws over three turns to see if they succeed or fail. Now the target is automatically poisoned because uh, I believe the official ruling was they don't get any of the effects of the diseases unless they fail three times on their saves. Yeah, that makes more sense to me, and it means you actually mm-hmm. have a way to apply the spell when you're when you're using it. Because it's a fifth level spell that basically if they save three times out of five total saves, then the spell does nothing. Right, which would be kind of pointless considering the spell level. Yeah, it's a fifth level spell that could technically do nothing. At least then the target's poisoned and then has to try to make three saving throws of success or three yeah, saving throws it, of failure. It only works on a hit anyways. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's a good change, too. Um, so there's a couple other changes that disintegrate. They've now clarified that you're disintegrated if it leaves, if the damage leaves the target with zero hit points. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Half orc yeah. ability. Yes. <laughs> what? It, well, What's it doesn't it? leave the target with zero hit points right, because he's brought back, back to one. One. So your disintegrate spell does not work on half orcs. Be warned. <laughs> At least not the first time they've done it. Yeah, not the first yeah. time. But the second time. <laughs> Just cast it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Action surge, disintegrate. Yes, of course. Another way that's a good correction is the find steed. Before it said yeah. you could communicate with it. Now it clarifies that you can communicate with each other. Because I guess if you were doing it exactly rules as written, you'd be like, hello, my new friend and companion. <laughs> no response. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward conversations. Yep. They have weakened, I believe, Hero's Feast a little bit because it used to let you use this wonderful spell on 12 other creatures. And now it just says 12 12 creatures. creatures. So I guess that could have been interpreted as yourself and 12 other creatures. Or perhaps some people felt they couldn't use it on themselves, which would be very tragic. That would be sad. Because Hero's Feast is great. Basically, you have a big party that makes everybody feel great. Yep. (laughs) Yep. You can't be afraid. Yeah, you're like, guys, we feasted. We're ready for battle. We are Vikings. Plus health and all that other good stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Lots of buffs. Yeah. But I think that is not a bad clarification. Um, I do like levitate added in. Uh, yeah. That can only be a loose object. So not one being held or carried or yep. worn. Which is which a common has theme throughout. Come up. Yeah, I think that is a good clarification because yeah. we have talked about that before. Another is Sanctuary. They've added or clarified the final sentence. I think that's how we're already using This is another one that's how we were using it. So it says if the warded creature makes an attack, casts a spell that affects an enemy or deals damage to another creature, the spell ends. This does mean they can use spells on their allies and on themselves. Right. Which I I think think the original implication was they couldn't if they cast a spell at all. Right, which made Sanctuary really weak. So we'd been doing it this way before. So if you were buffing somebody else in your party, that wouldn't diminish your Sanctuary. Yeah, I was going to say, because I think we already did it if you were doing an aggressive action. Yes, it's kind of how we were correcting it. Right, and I think that's what their intent was. So this, I think, is clarifying. That's what they they meant. Simulacrum. So... They did add uh, text to the final sentence oh. of the first paragraph, clarifying that it is a construct. Yes. Which is what interesting. Was it before? It, it was just a- did not add that. It didn't it was, say. It was unclear. So now, okay. now your simulacrum is a construct. So that would- It I won't think- read as a humanoid if you cast certain detection spells. Got right. It. Which is interesting, especially from like a, if you're using a simulacrum from a narrative standpoint too, you now know what it is. Well, here's what we could talk about. True polymorph. That that could be relevant. I know we've talked about polymorph because uh, Rachel's character Elaine has polymorph. True polymorph. I do. Elaine yeah. doesn't have polymorph yet. 
well, it's a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I do? When did I get no, two polymorph? No, sorry. When did I get Wait, anything? No, 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 but you will. You have the B-shape right now. N- it's Nyx next- had polymorph. Yes, Nyx definitely yeah. had polymorph. So we know that's where you're going because it's <laughs> awesome. And you want to be a T-Rex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, something that's interesting is they now have clarified that it can't affect a target that has zero hit points. So if someone is unconscious, you cannot true polymorph them into something else. Makes sense. Yeah. It does make sense. I'm sure it will be a disappointment to some people. But I wanted to turn the unconscious person into a box. <laughs> and then carry that box and then smash it with a hammer. No. <laughs> wow, just go to full Yzma. Wait, <laughs> so they also clarify that changing the creature into an object is now changing the creature into a non-magical object. No, I can't make my enemy a magic sword that works for me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, I don't know if you can enchant them. It doesn't say. They're just currently a non-magical object. And they did also clarify for creature to an object that uh, as long as the cre- the object size is no larger than the creature size. So you cannot take a small creature and true polymorph them into a huge object. like Turn a mouse into a statue. Oh, man, I was going to say turn your enemy into a boat. But yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, oh, Bethany? I, we have, I have so many questions now. You get the mouse, know. you throw the mouse, <laughs> and you true polymorph it into a statue to fall on your enemies. I think. <laughs> yep. I mean, why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. So that was interesting overall. <laughs> Any reactions, Rachel, as someone who... May or may not have true polymorph down the road. I mean, or have used true polymorph on a player. I was gonna say, <clears> like, <throat> obviously, I would never think to polymorph a creature that's at zero hit points. Like, I would never have thought that would work, anyways. Yeah, because they're unconscious or yeah. dead. You know, yes. so that's that's a given. The creature into a non-magical object. I guess I don't. I've never thought of turning people into objects. <laughs> at least not with true polymorph. Um. I always picture yeah. if you it seems like a waste of true polymorph. Yeah, to be fair, I immediately started thinking of Beast Castle for Beauty and the Beast and picture people being turned into chests of drawers and teacups. Be our well, guess. I mean, <laughs> okay, so here's really the question though: works. is if you turn a creature into a non-magical object, like let's say I were to, as Elaine, turn Nissa into a candlestick. She is literally just a candlestick. Yeah, now. Yep. she's not. She's not Lumiere. She's not like, talking. Yeah, no, she's not Lumiere. No, no. The candlestick. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess I never would have thought of turning people into objects. I would more have thought of going the other way, objects into people or objects into creatures, because like, that seems more useful. So if you're, what I'm hearing is you want to turn a regular candlestick into Lumiere. <laughs> well, okay. so the other, the only thing I can see that this would prevent would be okay. My companion or somebody i i need to bring back yeah. dies yes i turn them into something i can carry right so i say okay giant orc half orc companion you are now you know a rock a very tiny pebble i stick you in my pocket i take yes. you to somewhere i use true polymorph to turn you back into your person and then have a cleric use resurrection right. yeah but that yeah. wouldn't happen because they're at zero hit points so it yes. wouldn't work correct right you cannot do that now but I mean, have something that'd be a cute story. Use yeah. it on the half work that has one HP instead. <laughs> yeah, but that's- using that on like that's the only instance I could see turning a person into an object would be. Well, one of the things I forget uh, about true polymorph is uh, for the t- creature into object, it's not permanent. Whereas the other effects can be. At I the thought end it of was permanent hour. as long as you 
concentrate nope. on it. For so the hour. that's what I was just reading. At the end of the hour, it actually says the object turns back into the creature in its normal form. Oh, okay. Otherwise, it's a bit excessive because somebody could get turned into an object and crush them. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say you, they're just actually if you crush them, it just reverts them back. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, you could just sit as an object on a shelf somewhere forever. Yeah, but that's why I would turn a creature into another easier to kill creature and then kill easier creature. Like turn him into a chicken and then slaughter the chicken and have dinner. Whoa. It, Rachel literally it is would a fan of feast. back to its normal form. <laughs> you cannot feast uh, on your enemy as a would chicken. Would it though if I waited till after the hour? Yes. Yes. That's how you that's how you break it. Wait, wait, wait. Let me reread it. Rachel's so like, you can turn someone into like a mouse and then they're just a mouse with all the mouse stats. So they wouldn't think to do to bring them to zero HP as a mouse. But if they're brought to zero HP, even if it's permanent, they revert back to their normal form. Yeah, that's how you get out of a true polymorph. You die. This might have come up in some conversations Tony and I have had of how to get out of bad situations as a D&D character. <laughs> However, it does carry over. Yes. So then yes. you pick up the mouse, fly right. a hundred, like a thousand and feet into it the, on the ground no. yeah. right. and then like let go from the uh, yeah, the say, floating Goodbye. giant castle if say yeah. like a goldfish fell off of a cliff right <laughs> <laughs> sorry that might have happened to critical oh, role, though, critical role. oh turns to its wait on the creature return which where, where, yeah Tony cite your section under yeah. creature into creature yeah creature into creature second the paragraph the target assumes the hit points of its new form and when it reverts to its normal form the creature returns to the number of hit points but it doesn't say that once it's permanent, it just says at the first paragraph, if you concentrate on a so the transformation becomes permanent, which to me means that if it's not not No, no, it doesn't say points, permanent. It says last until it's dispelled. Yeah. Weird. Hold on. Which one are you looking at? If you concentrate on the spell for the full duration, the transformation lasts until it is dispelled. In whoa, in what? Are, in the first paragraph of at? True Polymorph. In the first pair, no, mine says if you concentrate on the spell for the full duration, the transformation becomes permanent. <laughs> That's why I'm like, where are you seeing this? <laughs> in the player's handbook. <laughs> I am in the player's handbook. Tony, we have the. This is the latest version, Tony, of the player's handbook. This is the. I don't know if got. you can. Yeah, because I'm looking at my PDF. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that Tony and I have talked about this, and we read from the from the actual print book that we have. Let me grab my book from downstairs and see what it says. Yeah. Just out of curiosity. Though. Yeah, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a totally different wording. My book also says, if you concentrate on this spell for the full duration, the transformation becomes permanent. What? Uh, when was yours published? Tony, check our published date on ours. This is interesting because this is not in the errata. No, it's not. It's not in the old version of the errata either, is it? No, because it would still show up in this version. Well, this is a newer copy of the player's handbook that we bought, what, like six months ago? No, I'm saying the it no. would show up in this errata though. Yeah, it, it should. should show it should, up in but it's interesting that we're definitely seeing different versions. I mean, mine says 2014, but I don't see anything about what printing it is. Mine actually says this includes corrections to the first printing. But... Ah, okay. Oh, so okay. mine doesn't have that. Mine. So just... you have a first printing. We don't, and they changed it. Huh. Yeah. So they definitely changed that because. And, and the PDF I have is apparently a first printing as well, because it says it yeah, becomes no. permanent. I, and I'm like, yeah. I believe you. So they corrected that because, as I think we're, we were trying to get at, it is much better to have it be worded, it to not be permanent, but to last until it's dispelled. Because that provides a way out mechanically and narratively for when things happen to a, to a player character. 
Yeah. So interesting. We have now found a surprise change between the first printing yeah, and our I'm printing. I'm looking at the errata too, and it's definitely it's not, in there. not it's there. It's not in there in the yep. previous and version. I just sent yeah, I just saw your pictures too. Yeah, yours doesn't say there are corrections. Wow, we're amazing detectives. <laughs> We've stumbled across a major <laughs> rules change. Yeah, because I'm like, Tony, where say, are you reading this? It does I don't say see permanent. It. You're like, you're reading, I'm reading. We are not reading the same thing. Oh, interesting. What? Okay. Um, my copy actually does say where yours says uh, in the second paragraph, shape changers aren't affected by the spell. Mine mm-hmm. actually says this spell has no effect on a shape changer or a creature with zero hit points. Oh. And see, mine just says shape changers, an unwilling creature. So they kind of rewrote the spell. Yeah. Between printings of the player's handbook. Interesting. And yet that's not in the errata. Yeah, because it's definitely much different. Yep. <laughs> Saying permanent versus until dispelled are two very different things. Yeah, because that's why when I've always read it is like once it becomes permanent, it technically cannot be, as I would put it, dispelled. Yeah. Because it's permanent. That's a permanent right. change. Yeah. So I think they were trying to avoid a hundred percent permanent things. Right. Which makes sense version, because makes sense. nothing is permanent. Um, it really. Death isn't permanent. Like there is no permanency to no. anything in, in D D. Yeah, I did look, by the way, at the player's handbook errata from 2017, and they did have a correction of True Polymorph that says, this spell can't affect a target that has zero hit points. So that's one from the previous year. It yeah. must be, okay, in the second sentence, that's where it's uh, the clarification. Yeah, with the shape changers business. I wonder what other changes there are then that between printings of the player's handbook, I'm sure someone's documented somewhere. We'll have to look into that. And- because that's one that they didn't mention. Nope. Yeah. And it would be worth mentioning because, it, as you point out, Rachel, that makes a major change in game. Yeah, and I've already, I've always treated true polymorph if they can maintain it for that hour. Well, it's on perfect. your version too, even if you if even if you decide, well, because until dispelled only means until you cast a dispel magic or something like that. In your version, a dispel magic doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> and I do wish they had published that there were changes between players' handbook versions because then it leads to these confusing moments where you're like, but why are it's you like, no, no, but it different? says this. No, no, but it says this. <laughs> That's what I'm like, where are you reading this, Tony? Because I've reread this three times and I don't see that. Yeah, interesting. This is why well, I have my book with me too, just in case. So, anyways. wow, that's interesting. Yeah, but I have I, my book as well. I know. That's what makes it great and <laughs> apparently, funny. Apparently, your book is old. Actually, all of our books are old now. They're all out of date because of these corrections. Yep. Yeah, that's true. So, anyways, back to the errata. We're almost there. We're um, almost there. They had, mm. a few, they had a clarification that the Unseen Servant is not a shapeless force, but is a shapeless medium force. Medium force. I wonder why that... I want to know the stories of why that had to come <laughs> up. people have, what, giant Unseen Servants? It's a, I use my Unseen Servant to completely encompass the army approaching us. Is yes. It, but, no, no, there's no way... Not, it does not say a size of my Unseen Servant. <laughs> um, so I think that's a good clarification. It's one of those things you would assume to be true, or most people would, but they're like, we better uh, clarify that. Yeah. They also um, have made a clarification to exhaustion. So This now, I find interesting. Yeah. For now, if you are raised from the dead, they have added that you are reducing your exhaustion level by one. So if you had enough exhaustion to kill you... Oh... It, there is you are brought back with a, an exhaustion level of five instead. Which makes sense, because otherwise you could die from exhaustion, be revived, and then instantly die from exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that trend. checks out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because I'd kind of forgotten that, and honestly, as a DM, if someone is dies and resurrects from exhaustion, I would probably remove all their levels of exhaustion. <laughs> I'm just saying. They've had forget- a nice sleep. <laughs> well, I forget that 
all the previous effects on their body technically are still there in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> so overall, uh, the player's handbook really just has a ton of changes, but most of them are small. I think I the only th- one we didn't go over was Dungeon Delver, really. Oh, yeah, we could go over Dungeon Delver. It's just a clarification because I think it's uh, the difference is you don't move at a slow. You move at a normal pace when searching for traps was the previous wording. Yeah. Now it says you're traveling at a fast pace doesn't impose a negative five penalty on your passive perception. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm actually good with the switch because searching for traps at a normal pace did not make sense to me. (laughs) It's not a thing that benefits you. If you're searching for traps, you're searching for traps. It's out of game. Right. Well, not out of game. Also, you're you're also not going to be moving and searching for traps at the same time. Really? Not not from a mechanical perspective, from a narrative perspective. I'm trying to think, in a combat situation, if you're in a heavily trapped room, most likely you're going to go to a spot and say, I want to search this area for traps. Yeah. If you're going to do that at all and not fire at the enemies. So now they're saying you can move and passively search for traps without being penalized. Yes. Because you are so good at dungeoning. You're such a good dungeoner. Dungeoneer? <laughs> I, I dungeon Delver. So yeah. I think that one makes sense to me. It is a good clarification. Yes. That was the only other one that wasn't like a, a general, so, oh, this plus Overall, this. it sounds like we are much more on board with the changes to the player's handbook than we were to some of the other changes from, to the other books. Because they clarify. Yeah. Yeah. For the I think the dungeon part, master was the worst. Like, yeah. In terms of clarity or helpfulness. <laughs> yes, helpfulness is another thing we should have been writing. Is it helpful to a DM and a player? And a lot of those we go, nope. Nope. Does not make game, playing the game easier or more fun. <laughs> Does not eliminate loopholes or or otherwise clarify. Yeah, it's something we might want to talk about down the road is what are the rules we think are confusing and probably need errata? That might be a good topic mm. for us to cover if anyone is interested. True. I know I have a list. True polymorph. <laughs> True polymorph. It still needs to work. <laughs> it is permanent. It is permanent. <laughs> it is permanent-ish. Confusing. It's permanent in every version I've read. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking at the questions we had for ourselves. Forgot we've that. got over how the rules have changed. I think we've been pretty clear on each of these of whether we thought they were an improvement or not. Yep. And we have definitely been upfront about what we think is clear <laughs> and what is confusing. Yep. Yep. And what we kind of allude to was, should you buy the new versions of the book with the corrections? I guess, I guess another layer, now having discovered what we did earlier, it's confusing when you don't have the same version across your players yeah. and your DMs. <laughs> I think the only reason you should buy the new versions is if you don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, print your errata reference sheet, tuck it in your book. Because most yeah. of it is not big enough to get a whole new book. Or just be Tony and quietly memorize the changes. Yes. I'll totally right normal. On that. Sure. Yeah. I memorize all of them and don't uh, most wonder. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. When when would you guys decide to use or enforce these items? Like the changes? I would yeah, use and enforce grappling and shoving an incapacitated creature all the time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I would, from a DM perspective, present the changes as they are relevant. Or if I know there's a particular person who does one of these things, like with their player character, be like, hey, just so you know, this is how this works now. But I think it's not going to matter that much because most of the changes that we've talked about that we like are really how we've already been playing. The rules are mm-hmm. just better written now. Yeah. So I don't know if it'll have a big change. I will mention to everyone, hey, if you want to be a ranger with an animal companion, your one. animal companion's yeah. better now. You could have a useful animal companion if you so choose. If you so choose. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Rachel? I mean, for for somebody who's still teaching the rules to people who don't know it, 
And obviously, now that I found that I have a different version of my book than <laughs> my kids are probably using because you bought them for them later than mine. Yep. I bought them <laughs> at the same time I bought ours. Wait, yeah. Yeah. So... So it might be interesting because if I were to start enforcing the new rules, it will be better for them because those are the rules that presumably would mostly be in their books at this point, with the exception of a few changes. Mm-hmm. Whereas my book, if I were to be looking at my player's handbook with them, I'd be like, yes, it is definitely a permanent spell. I'd be like, why? No, it definitely doesn't say permanent for us. <laughs> but it says right here in my book and my book, because I'm the dungeon master is the book. And you say, uh, mine's a first edition. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I guess part of it is is just going to be a case-by-case basis, right? Yeah, I think it'd be case-by-case. I think a lot of these I would mention if we're already in a game, if it right. affects something that a player does normally to mention, hey, you know, this has been going on. We'll do it this way. Or ask them, would you prefer to do it this new way yeah. going forward I- if you want? But. I would not make the players responsible for like learning the errata and be like, all right, guys, here's Link's the errata. Know this stuff and how it'll affect you. I think that's that's my job. That's the yeah. Yeah, part of, for, for me <laughs> part too, of the DMs. Part of the DMs. Yeah, is to have a better sense. And of course, not everything's going to get implemented from here, but if you can bring most of it into your game that's helpful, I think mm-hmm. you should do it. If it's not helpful, mm-hmm. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, but those are all small things as well. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, there's there were no large sweeping significant changes. yeah so really i think it's yeah. if you read through these and you go oh my gosh that's gonna apply to this player i think mm-hmm. you should let them know and say going forward we'll do this and overall this will help you in this way or it'll avoid that confusing thing where we go why does this say this thing about the paladin smite what is this what is this <laughs> just, so yeah, just ignore it just ignore it now we don't have to worry about it it's nothing <laughs> it's literally nothing so i think those are all those will be good changes for playing at the table just a little bit of an adjustment period, probably. And I, I know yeah. they're going to be the new version, so people who have a player's handbook following this are going to go, why do these people spend all this time talking about stuff that's already in my book? <laughs> yes. Yeah, well. Well, because it's not in mine it's not at all. our book. <laughs> right, exactly. It's not in ours. It's not in yours. So I do like that they are making corrections. That is something that I think is beneficial. But I wish maybe it was more clear what version you were getting and that you might have changes. Yeah, that is one thing that would be nice. Like if my book, if if instead of my book just said like first printing August, you know, the date of it, if it said this is version 1.1 1. 1. right, <laughs> or whatever. Yes. Or and I then said- added to the errata, like these apply to versions X and older or, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it would, that, that would be, be helpful. That'd be helpful if you've been playing the game since fifth edition came out. So you have acquired materials that are out of date, which is inevitable. Yes. So, yeah, that's our advice to, to DMs is make the best of it. <laughs> make the best of it. Communicate with your players. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do 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 the regular DM stuff of just talk through things and just It'll adjust. Right. <laughs> if, it, if it's not working for you and it's a rule change, then don't do it. Don't use it. Yeah. yeah. So any last exactly. thoughts, Tony? I think that pretty much covered it. So thank <laughs> you for joining us as we went through the errata in great detail. I hope it was helpful so you don't have to read it yourself. But you probably should read it yourself if you're a DM. Yes. Yeah. Or at least look at it. 